Your mind is the Buddha. The most important thing is to just feel. Hello and welcome to the Bodhi Cristo podcast. My name is Bodhi Daiji and I am grateful and honored to be the host of this podcast, which serves as a means of sharing the wisdom, clarity, and compassion that is found within the teachings of Heiwa Nobushi, who is the creator of this Bodhi Cristo community. He is a Buddhist Christian monk, also the founder of the Thomasville Buddhist Center in North Carolina. He is a spiritual guide and a sensei for many, including myself. And this episode is part two of a Dharma talk given at Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. In this episode, Bushi speaks about knowledge and that there are three types of knowledge, explicit, codified, and tacit knowledge. He goes into what each of those are, and tacit knowledge is a, a big focus within the Bodhicristo community, and Bushi explains why that is, and why he sees both Jesus and the Buddha as tacit teachers. There is plenty to digest in this episode. There are many treasures from Bushi in this one, and it's it's delivered with the usual combination of devastating logic, plenty of humor, and lots of love. If you're interested in contributing to the Bodhi Cristo community, you can make a donation through PayPal at paypal.me slash Bushi's Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you really enjoy this one as much as I have. May the enlightened Christ be us. So I want to talk about uh, a few things. There are three types of knowledge. The first knowledge is given to us from the time that we are born. It is called explicit knowledge. You know this term? Maybe you know the workings of it. Here is a textbook, young child. Read it, test on it, and then you shall know. Anybody ever experienced that? I don't know. When I got here as a human being, I had to go through that process. <laughs> you know, it's in the textbooks. It's in the, uh, the periodicals. It's in the uh, literature. It's in the, uh, the curriculum. Yeah, it's in the policy, the SOP. It's in how we do things around here. It's in the rapid and hasty OJT if you're going to stay here. You understand what I'm saying? And we were all offered that as children. Isn't it interesting that many of us still hold to these childish ideologies into adulthood? Little bitty wheels won't carry a big car too long. 
यादव ग्रीन And then there's that second knowledge. This is the one. This is the one knowledge that all of us are familiar with. You know, it's called codified knowledge. You know this term. I can't be original in all this. You have to write to make sure you really get this. This is. <laughs> They're not saying anything to me. Codified knowledge. The root word there is code. Beautiful example. The Holy Spirit always provides. Isn't that correct? This labyrinth is a code. You follow it a certain way. There's a path. There's a routine. There's a way. There's a right away. In the labyrinth, it's how the chairs are arranged. We want this space open, this space open, because the priests will come, and we want it, you know, for whatever reason, to serve us. You see, it's the traffic lights that you pull up to, and they're red. It's the traffic lights that are red that you run through. That the code runner, <laughs> the man with the blue lights, he runs after you <laughs> because you broke the code to let you know that you broke the code. You know, is this right? You understand this? Do you ever catch yourself unconsciously driving a certain speed limit when you go through uh, certain areas of town? Don't do you know where you can get away with stuff, doing things? Yes, we all do, don't we? Yeah,、mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. And this is what we do. They tell us something, and then they expect us to follow. This is explicit and codified knowledge. And then there's number three: tacit knowledge. T a c i t. You know this. Many people don't. You see, I'm talking about generational stuff. Generational, you know, just intentional wiping away of what you really are as a human being. And it's a shame. This is why I don't fault you. Tacit knowledge is that knowledge you find out on your own. It's the people that you get frustrated with when you're trying to show them something and they still don't get it. Uh, you know those people. Maybe you've been one. I don't know. You see, but tacit knowledge is putting your hands to it yourself. The Buddha, in the Kalama Sutta, a major teaching of Buddhism, he said, "Don't follow it just because everybody else is following." And I'm paraphrasing, but quite precisely, don't believe it just because everybody else is teaching it or has followed it. You see. Don't follow because it is、uh, well high in status to follow. You see, but instead, try it for yourself. And if it is good for you, then use it as a guide. But if it is not, do no harm. This is why Jesus always talked about fools. You know, you don't have to do anything with a fool. Not a thing. You see, that was an explicit knowledge of grace. If you can't help them, don't hurt them. If they don't receive you, then you wipe the dust off your feet and boogity boogity boogity. 
but in the theology and church discipline. That just makes so no sense to me, church discipline. <laughs> when God was really about agape, Christ demonstrated agape, a faith that was uh, not so much enterprise-based, but the fuel of it, the heart of it, were human beings. Mm -hmm. Tacit knowledge means you put your hands to it. How long have we been waiting for God to make a way? And it's not that God doesn't make a way. But how long have we not known how to communicate with God because we've not known ourselves? I had faith as a minister. But that faith pretty much, uh, it's, not, it's not good for icy conditions. <laughs> you know? And I don't mean in terms of temperature, you know what I mean. When the hot stuff of your life comes around, you know, faith sometimes just doesn't work. And especially at the immediacy that we need. Well, I can get aura gel that'll work faster than faith sometimes. Why? It is not because faith doesn't work. What it is, is we don't exercise the greatest gift of what, what we have in order to manifest faith. And that is using ourselves to find the answers. This may seem a bit cryptic, but I think it's also quite direct. We want God to go and fix that. Lord, take my sexuality away from me because it's wrong. That's what they tell me. And they treat me so bad and this reinforces within the psychology of the person that it's actually true. Yet all they know is to pray to God and not knowing that, you know what, I lay, I, I rested because I gave it all to you. <laughs> this is what God is saying. I had to chill out after seven days because I expected to see the miracle at work. You are my masterpiece. I've given you in your skin everything you need. You see, if you were to be some sort of play toy, I'd put gasoline in you. But what he did, it is said that he breathed Numa. You see, the spirit, the spirit means life. We are made for walking this earth and doing our greatest miracles on this earth. And this is where God resides. I think Hubble has done a tremendous job to prove that we can relax a little bit with reaching for the sky, especially for God, because God has always been closer to us, right here. I think we can start praying a little, you know, below the ionosphere. <laughs> you see, maybe it's bothering, you know, the communication between heaven and us. No, you see, I don't think so. I think they taught us to be so high and lifted up that we have no earthly good. 
And this is where God wants us to work in the earth with our flesh, with our feelings, emotions, and all of the troubles that we have. We have to work that out together. You want patience? Sit down and shut up. Resist the urge to open your mind. Hmm? Hmm? But what have we been taught? Pray about it. Open your mouth about everything. We wish for people as if uh, faith is some sort of uh, lamp and we rub it and God comes flying down through the atmosphere like some bellhop, some cosmic bellhop, some cosmic valet. And I'm not bashing God. I'm just letting you know that we're not seeing this thing clearly. Everything relative to our faith is relative to our flesh. The very thing that faith told you to abase, to get rid of, to negate, to throw aside, to disregard. Now, I'm just telling you some good skin in the whole mess of America would really be nice, right? <laughs> some good people giving up everything in order to find the least of these. A few good people willing to really not care about what other people think and releasing their minds to the great creativity that God gave each and every one of us and do that thing in the earth. Because even the junkie, even those that are, uh, you know, substandard to our status quo, they need a human touch. And we recognize this as Christians, this is why we have ministries, food pantries and other things like that. But what if we took that to them? What if we took time to be with them? You see, even what we do as human beings, such as come to church on Sunday and send something over to the people, does not heal their psychological loneliness of the human being suffering the most. We don't need mantra, we don't need prayer, we need only do the hard thing of being the Christ. We've followed every example they gave to us. You be just like your granddaddy. You be just like your grandmother. You be just like your mother and your father. You be that. And you pray to God that it all works out. This is what I term basic lunacy. And that is also an excellent way to attain egohood. The opposite of attaining enlightenment. It is when you are nasty and dirty and living life freely in your mind. If you're struggling with something, you're struggling. And just own up to that. Don't try to cover it up. You think our own personal suffering is unique in the world? No. But look how the world has taught you. The systems, the institutions. To be something else. And by the way, that is what I refer to as those things that the scriptures are talking about. Spiritual wickedness is in high places. Why you can't get no higher than your head. 
<laughs> That's right. So our work as Christians, our work as Buddhists, our work as Muslims, our work as you know, Hindus, our work as religious people is certainly not to be religious, is it not? Because that has not worked in the world. And again, I'm not attacking God. I'm just saying for all of these years, we did it wrong. Yeah, we did it wrong. This is America. When they parallel parked that big ship in 1619 and offloaded people that would forever serve them. You understand what I'm saying? And then beat them and accused them of, you know, just the most insignificant yet the most devastating crime of sneaking off to try to learn in the dark under candlelight to be like them. You better not read. You better not learn anything. And then they taught a nation to do the same thing. So I let you off the hook, myself too, because these are things that, you know, this is the post-traumatic stress disorder of slavery, not of religion. <laughs> it started with slavery, the idea that there was insignificance in God's kingdom. Hello. Hmm? You understand this? You see? You know, I mean, people I come into contact with who are angry, not at people who are Mexican or black or Asian, but they're angry because they were promised. They were promised a birthright to the land, their land. They were promised, you know, that this is how it's gonna be. But then all of a sudden an industry that really doesn't care about your hopes and dreams comes and it takes over and builds a highway right through it. They buy it right out from up on you. They have all kinds of writs and affidavits and everything else. And before you know it, you have nothing. And they're angry about that, not black people. They're angry about that and not the Mexicans. They're still holding on to a dream it was promised to them. Now the others, well, there are those who just don't like people in general. That's ignorance. <laughs> See? So everybody's affected by this codification. This codification. But I believe Jesus and the Buddha were both tacit teachers. That's all they were. They taught from the ground up. You know, when the Buddha reached his enlightenment and all his students were sitting around and they were wondering, oh, what wonderful thing is he going to tell us? He's going to tell us something that's going to blow our minds. He's going to have a revelation. <laughs> Don't we do that in church? <laughs> a revelation. God gave me a revelation. <laughs> no, gave, God gave you one more opportunity to be your human self. And you traded it in for the Bible. Hmm. The Buddha, when he reached his enlightenment, he opened his eyes and his students were in it. And he said, cook something. Let's eat. And they were appalled. Like, bro, we've been with you for six years. And you want Burger King? Some Wendy's? <laughs> you understand this? 
And so, you know, Jesus comes along. And when he reaches the place that he's going to ultimately, what I call, reach his place of enlightenment. You see? When he reached his place of enlightenment, it was in a terrible place. And what did he say? Most dreaded condition. Hunger's a dreaded condition. Hmm? Here this enlightened man wakes up and he wants to eat something first before he tells you anything. And for him, that was enlightenment. And for the rest of it, well, it was too. It was no pie in the sky. It was the recognition that in your skin, you will find heaven and hell. But if you are to find either one, you've got to live with the conditions that are here. Always reaching up to heaven is usurping, is, is usurping your responsibility as a human being. It's usurping your worth as a human being. It's insulting God. When we try to be what other people have suggested we be, with the lives that were given to us, are you born naturally LGBT or, or gay or lesbian? In many cases, yes. In all cases, I believe so. Whatever the case may be, whether it's that or not, the reality is all of us experience change. And to only be stuck in the acceptance of what people say, other people say, of how you should and how you shouldn't change, is the only way that you desecrate, you know, desecrate the sacraments, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You understand? Oh, we need an education. This is what happens when you have third and fifth grade Sunday school leaders. He can tell you all kinds of tricky and crafty things about the word and do nothing and render nothing. You see? Now, those are my words. That's just what I've seen. You see it too. I see your faces. <laughs> yeah. There's some people in that little hole in there right there where they're looking at me. They're saying, preach, or you own it. You understand? Because that's their real lives. That's what's really going on. God is bigger than that. I found that through Buddhism. I became a better preacher and a better Christian when I discovered through Buddhism that what? The greatest thing about spirituality is my skin. The greatest connection that I'll ever have with God is through my free will. You know, we still can't figure that out and what that means. Isn't that true? You know, well, we do have free will. Yeah, but you can't do this. <laughs> Yeah, many of us show up on Sunday morning and we tell people that we uh, we went to a Travis Trent concert over the weekend. Like, oh my God, no, you didn't. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And the worst of it is to believe that you're wrong for doing it. This may seem harsh, but many of us are infants not dead yet. We're constantly sucking on somebody else's nutrition. And we never find out just how much, uh, how much immunity we have in our own skin. <laughs> yeah. We get cancerous when uh, we feel as if we've you know, let somebody down because we want to change our mind. <laughs> Don't we do this? It's okay. It's all right. I'm not laughing at you. What I'm laughing at is the principalities and the powers that think that they're going to keep you here. Not as long as I'm alive. I'm going to help you to live. This is what Christ did, right? Don't beat that woman. You know, he didn't say that, but that's what he was saying. They wanted to stone him. You want to destroy it. Don't do that. What do you think on it? People always love to pull you in something, don't they? You know, <laughs> you the Lord. What do you say, wise guy? <laughs> and Jesus did what? He wrote in the sand. You know, what did he say? What was he doing? Was he doodling like Roy, Roy uh, Peterson? Roy's own, was he doing that? Was he doodling and making these little, you know, what was he doing? working out a math problem that he was having a difficult time with and he knew if he practiced it a bunch of times he could know it by heart. What was he doing? What was he writing? Hmm? Why did those people leave? Why did they drop their stones? Maybe he wrote before he said anything. I know where your penis has been. I know what you do. You need to really back out of this altogether because if you give me started on you, maybe he was writing that. And he looked down and great, oh, he's gonna say something now. We got him now. And they saw their own names and deeds. Yes, 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 all right. Yes. <laughs> You see? Because certainly shaming people in the way that we understand it didn't happen, people, is it? My God. What lunacy we exist in, in the skin that God gave us. The circumnavigating of our own soul is our problem. Our own soul. Not the one you give up to the Lord. He don't want it. He gave it to you. <laughs> he wants you to use it in the earth. That's why he put you here. That's why you're made here. That's why he reiterated with the son. Y'all not getting it. See, I'm here now. <laughs> Let me show you. He understood tacit knowledge. You see. Body Christo means enlightened Christ. In Tibet, 
the Christians there say, Songjepa Mashika, the enlightened Christ. Mashika is his name. In Tibet. You see? You mean Buddhists understand Christianity and Christians don't? Yeah. Because they understand compassion and the greatest need for it. The need for going into the self to correct the self, to be with the self, to work with the hardware that God gave you through your lineage of controversy and confusion. No mud, no lotus, no cross, no crown. <laughs> right? But you've been taught a method. A method that is always born through proselytization. You know, if you never touch the message which you're on life, you really aren't touching anybody. What you get is groupies. Those groupies, you'll know if they're true or if they're groupies. They leave behind evidence. Church has the highest divorce rate. <laughs> it's because the people don't know themselves. If my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and seek my face, turn <laughs> from being religious, which is your evil way. A few other protocols in there. Then I'll hear you. What if we make God a servant or a savior? What'd they teach you? That God was a servant or a savior? What'd they teach you? Uh, a master or a servant? Oh man, this is good talk, isn't it? Christ's moment of enlightenment, when he really made sense to him, the, the place where he became the son of God to me, when he was enlightened and also truly the incarnation of God. It's when he said, Father, forgive them because they're ignorant. In Buddhism, we have the Four Noble Truths. All life is suffering. There's some sense of pain you will experience in every aspect of your life. It may be physical, it may be conditional, or it may be based upon change itself, any circumstantial or conditional change. You're gonna suffer. And the second of the Noble Truths is this, that all suffering is connected to ignorance and attachment. The third of the noble truths of Buddhism say that there is a way that we can cessate, get away from that ignorance, 
Get away from creating suffering. Get away from hurting ourselves and hurting people and truly becoming whole. Not catering to one side and negating another. And then there's the fourth one, which points to what that way is. The fourth says, the way to acquire this is through the eightfold path. Right thinking, right vocation, right thought, right attitude, and all the rights that we don't do right. And I like to throw in some other rights that I like to freely exercise as a human being because I was taught the wrong thing. <laughs> I have the right to be quiet and really not care what other people think about me. Hello. You got the same right. I'm one of those people, you know, you give me something brand new and it's good to me, almost, I got to share it with everybody. You ever seen a child get some new toy, run around with it from room to room? He'll see every person six times until he sits down and play with it. Just so excited. You see? Little girl gets a new dress, she's going to wear it nine times before you have to tell her, no, no, honey, you got to, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> the thing come on out of it already. You know, just, just put it up. <laughs> You, you, you have that right. God gave you that right. If you ever wonder what free will actually means, it's that. God created you, he breathed in you and basically said, all right, go get him, champ. Go get him, preacher. Be the most human you that you can possibly be. And this is how you save the masses. They need to see an example, not hear a prayer about one. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some Christians who are doing some great work. There are some Christians who are doing some great work. However, if they do even greater, by looking into the aspect of their own minds, we can craft whittling and get really good at it. But a sad man can whittle. Hmm? A non-confident woman can whittle. Take a piece of wood and carve into it their sadness. Take a canvas and paint in oil their misery. Stand on stage and give exquisite jokes that every person in the crowd will understand and yet go and kill themselves because of personal hurt. There should be no person that suffers. God gave us each other. And those that are in spiritual high places, yeah, they gave us an alternative. You know, they always say there's two sides of the coin. The people who bring us into the world, mom, dad, grandparents, and everybody else, the society, the community, you know, the community. If all your money can afford is living in this community, there's a culture, there's a tradition, there's a norm. You understand? And that's what you're raised with. And so when you get outside of that, you may take the attitude of that community into the larger community and it doesn't work well. Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might win some. Hmm? 
The Buddha taught skillful means so that some might be brought out of their delusion. And if you, if you believe in only one way, if you see society only in one way, <laughs> you understand? If you understand you only in one way, that's through the lens of what your minister. And just be sure, like Stevie Wonder says, if you lie, it will come to pass. If you lie to folk and tell them that all this pie in the sky that they're reaching, is the way, is the only way, and you don't tell them that, you know what, we were wrong. There is power right here. You know, tell me about your life. Tell me how you're hurting and how can I help you right now in this moment. I know I don't have a thing in my pocket, but if you tell me, I bet you that's more than anything that I could have in my pocket because that's what you need and I can see it all over you. I know it because I recognize my own suffering. And if I just break the mold, if I just step out and do the thing that everybody tells me I shouldn't do and connect with you on a human, sloppy, messy, nasty, stinky, and putrid level, we can probably clean up nice together. You want to see a miracle? Learn to love your neighbor. Now, I mean love. I remember hearing a spiritual teacher talk once. And he said that uh, once there was a child that came to their home. The child wanted some food and the mother ran the child. Dirty, stunk really bad, hungry, impoverished. And the mother ran away. He asked, he said, Mom, why did you do that? And she said, it's because I love you. And I want to protect you. And I don't want anything to happen to you. The child, being an enlightened being already, asked his mother the most significant question. Mama, do you love me like that little boy? You see, do you love that little boy? Like me, two questions. Do you love me like that little boy? Do you love that little boy like me? The mother went away crying because she knew the depth of what he had just asked. You want to be holy. You see, I'm on neither side of this thing. I'm right in the middle. I walk the middle way like Christ. He didn't side with the Lord, did he? He sided with them. He's a peacemaker. He said, now, 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 I know what the law says, and y'all want to do this, but look here. You got some of this in there, too. You know, I, I told you, y'all look at what I'm writing. I ain't going to say a thing. And then he said, what? When it was all, all said and done. He said, woman, where are your accusers? He taught everybody something. Y'all need to stop putting people down because y'all got some of the same issues. And don't get so high and mighty with the law that you think that can be used as a cover-up for your own garbage. 
Don't get so emotionally distraught that you can lash out at people and mistreat them in my name because I am the Lord and I'm watching and I'm writing. He had a thing, you know, the gospel says something about all this writing in his book. So somebody's publicist up there in heaven. You see, somebody's got some, some literary skill. So a lot of writing. You see. Because I can see. Because there's a record of your misdeeds in the earth. Because there's a record of this code that exists. There's a record of this explicit stuff that you're teaching. And like Stevie Wonder said, in his song, Jesus' Children in America, if you lie, it's going to come to pass. If you tell people a false truth about whom they are and whom God is, if you tell people to put God before themselves, that's going to come to pass. Isn't that evident in the church? We're so above God and everybody that comes to God assumes the same thing. I need only pray. I need only do nothing. God's got me. Look at God. Mm, glory. <laughs> I tend to get at Buddhist too sometimes. A lot of times. Our silence is wonderful. It teaches us a great deal about ourselves. It teaches us a great deal about what we can and cannot do. It teaches us a great deal about the greatness of the human mind and the power that's there. We give it up so easily in exchange for what? A gospel of our skin that has never worked in America. Why is it that we're still searching for diversity? Open your eyes. The world is already diverse. What you're trying to achieve is a place that you can tolerate what you're seeing. And this is not agape. I'm just saying. True love, if it is true love, it does not desire for others to be as we are. And if it does desire for others to be as we are, we do not love them. We do not hold them in agape. But what we do is we love the reflection of what they offer us. You know this is true. Change the way in which you are. Change what you believe. Expand yourselves. Go see God, Father. Live in the love of Christ deeper. And watch the wolves come. You can hear their gnashing teeth <laughs> coming and biting at you, you see. I became a better Christian because I understood there's a human side of me. There's a real tacit side. There's a place, there's a workshop. You ever notice Christianity doesn't have any practices? No practice. What do we have? We have liturgies. Protocols. You know, we have the Eucharist. It's not necessarily practice. It's a ritual. <laughs> but practices. 
basic practices of our humanity. We walk around with all this gospel, all this holy stuff, and we have no practices of, uh, uh, of how to use that, how to do that. How do we put that into practice? Well, you have to understand your own human nature first, because if you're putting God above your, you know, your skin, yeah, you'll never get it. God never intended for you to put him first. And if you want to put God first, then you've got to put you first. Why are there so many alcoholic preachers? Why are there so many preachers who go on drugs? Using the gospel in order to cover up their lot in life. And this has to cease if you're going to do the work of God. Why do the strangers from a foreign land have to be greeted as if they're just spectacular and unique to the congregation? They are children of God. Other sheep have I, but you're not of this folk. <laughs> we must learn that if we're going to do the gospel, not, not based on belief or ideology, and we must put that in our skin, you see. Got to put that in your skin. What does that look like? Be a human being in your society. Don't be a status. Don't be a Christian. Be a human. They shall know that we are Christians by our love. By our love? <laughs> they shall know that we are Christians by our love. Oh, you got the theologists wrong. They sound good on Sunday morning. They'll taste different after the night. <laughs> You understand? All right. Is that is that all right? You still love me? I love you too. All right. Namo Sanjeeva Mahesh. Thank you.